Welcome to the house. We hope this podcast blesses you and encourages you. Enjoy. Hey, everybody. Can you guys give me some virtual waves? Hey, what's going on? You guys. Okay, first of all, just let me start from the beginning. Danny Dom, that worship, I sometimes don't realize how much I need it with people. Like, even if it's virtually, it just does something different. It's different when I worship here in my room by myself. But something about being in my room right now specifically and hearing that worship just just did something to me. So um, part of the song right now was, we worship you alone. And isn't it great that that's our only obligation in life is to have to worship God? Like sometimes we put ourselves, like we give so much pressure on ourselves that doesn't need to be there. God just calls us to worship him. And it's almost like a weight is lifted when you think about it like that. Instead of this giant to-do list, your only obligation in life is to worship God through what you do, but really it's just under the banner of worship. So thank you for that reminder, you guys. I love you so much. All right, so I am so excited for this message, you guys. I am going to be honest. I don't know what shifted for me at the beginning of this year. It's like there was a palpable shift in my spirit and I have just felt this joy that I haven't felt in a really, really all of 2020. 2020 was just a rough year for me, let's be honest. I was like, will I ever get this joy back? God said yes. So I have just been feeling so myself again after not feeling like that but it came after a season of like okay god when is this gonna stop kind of like when is enough enough and that's what the title of my message's title tonight is when is enough enough and i'm putting that in two different contexts so before we jump into what i want to talk about um i wanted you guys if you have a piece of paper around, if you have your phone or whatever, could you think on one or maybe multiple moments, but one specific moment that really, you could really identify like, wow, this is the worst moment I think I have ever gone through. Um, let's just be honest. We are, we're talking about this being a safe space and Danny and Dom know that Sometimes I'm a little too safe. Sometimes I say things like, Nikki, okay, bring it back. But I just want to be honest. Some of us have dealt with um, maybe marriages falling apart. Some of us might have dealt with losing a child or um, I recently, this past week, had a friend who was already five months along in her pregnancy and just found out that the baby had no heartbeat. And she was telling me, this is the worst moment I have ever felt in my life. Some of us lost jobs. Some of us almost lost our homes. Some of us literally almost lost our minds. Literally this year was like, I don't think I'm going to make it. I'm going to lose my mind. And so if there's one specific moment, I'll give you guys maybe 30 seconds to just meditate on that um, and write it down. And then we'll get back to that. But if you want to take a second to write it down. Um, if you feel on your heart that maybe you want to share really quick, like I know one of the worst moments for me, if I'm just being honest, is this past year, I found out that my grandfather was passing away and it happened really suddenly, like his decline happened really fast. And, um, he's always been kind of the main man in my life. And it just dawned on me, like he's not going to be around anymore. And just feeling that weight has really felt like time is just not promised to us. And so it's really put the perspective of time into mind for me and into perspective for me. So 
Um, if you guys have all written it down, just give me a thumbs up. All right, cool. All right. So before we get into the heavy stuff of enough is enough, I wanted to talk about luck versus blessing. And this is going to be, it's all going to come together. But luck as a believer, now I'll say, hey, you know, good luck or dang, she has some really bad luck. But the reality is that as a child of God, I don't believe in luck. I believe that there is a plan and I believe that God knows what's happening. So the fact that I would put hope and trust in, in just a series of events that happen like, oh, shucks, bad luck or gosh, you know, my luck has really been down. I really feel like as a child of God, I see things through a spiritual lens. I'm not going to put my hope and my faith in my luck. I'm going to put my hope and my faith in God who provides my blessings. So luck is just chance. It's just this thing that we say. It's not bad if you believe in luck, um, but it also is not what we put our foundation on. That's not where we stand on. We stand on the firm truth that God knows what's going to happen and what even what's happening in that moment isn't based on luck. It's based on something that he has planned for us, even if it feels painful. Blessing, on the other hand, are gifts from God. They are miracles. They are um, answered prayers. It's protection. It's all the wonderful things. Blessings are great things. There's no such thing as a bad blessing. You can't be like, oh my gosh, I hope she has a bad blessed day. Like, it doesn't make any sense. There is nothing that you could tag on to blessed that would be bad. You can't curse someone and be like, you're ugly and you're blessed. Like, that's only a beneficial thing. So you could never use a blessing to curse somebody else. Um, luck, on the other hand, sometimes can feel heavier and you're like, wow, you lived a very cursed life. You're an unlucky soul. I'm sorry for you. But that's, you know, but I just wanted to talk about that first. I was thinking about luck and there is a story I came across about the man in history. I typed in, I was Googling like, where does the word luck come from? And I happened to come across a story about the most unlucky man in the world. And me just being myself, I just went into a deep rabbit hole, started looking up YouTube videos. But apparently there was a man named Frayne Selak and he is classified as the world's most unlucky man. And he had a series of events happen to him that should have killed him, but didn't. His, he was born in 1929. He was a music teacher and Frayne was known for being very safe. Like in some of his interviews, when he talks about his life later, he's like, I became a music teacher because um, it was like, I was gonna be in the classroom. Like I didn't wanna be out in the world and I wanted to be with students and it was just safe. But in 1962 was his first incident and he was in a train accident and the train went off the rails and 19 people died and he was one of 19, well, one of 22 people, there were 22 people in the car, 19 people died when he was one of them that survived, okay? So he's just like, okay, that might've just been coincidence. I survived a train wreck, like, okay. Also, who gets on a train wreck? Not me, but he did. The next year he was like, and he had said, I think I just, I don't want to be on a train anymore. So he went on a plane and he retells the story that the door opened in the plane and the plane crashed and 10 people died and he landed in a haystack 
what is life? You guys, I was reading the story. I was like, there's no way. But apparently this these are the accounts of his life, okay? He landed in a haystack and only scratched parts of his back. I'm like, okay, my boyfriend got some good luck. Huh? So then in 1966, you guys, as if this just can't, there are so many events. This point, he has kind of been like, I need to travel, but obviously not by train, not by plane. I'll take a bus. The bus in 1966 that he was on, I don't know, somehow went off the road and went into a deep river and he survived that with a broken arm. Okay. He then in 1970, his gas tank exploded on the freeway. <laughs> okay. You guys, it gets worse. In 1973, somebody, I don't know how it happened, but their car went on into flames on the freeway as well, which then made his car go into flames, which I don't know how that happened. And let's see. Okay. And finally, his seventh event that made him the unluckiest man. He was walking on a mountainside. So picture like you're going up to Big Bear and you're just walking along, minding your business. When a bus comes zooming down and almost hits him, he flies off the mountainside, tumbles into someone's yard and survives again, okay? So all along, these are the reasons why poor Frain is now considered the world's unluckiest man. Like if it's not one thing, it's another. Fast forward to 2005, and he wins the lotto in Croatia. Like, my boy Frank had a change in the atmosphere. We said, there's still hope, Frank. So he wins the lotto, ends up giving it all away to his family because he was so old. His thing was like, I just want to live a safe, simple life. Like, if I, I'm going to spend my money and get my little house and spend it with my wife, and I just want to die like that. But as I started to think about this very unfortunate series of events that poor Frayne went through, it's like, it's a matter of perspective, right? Was he the world's unluckiest man or really the world's most blessed and protected man? Like, if you think about it, I'm reading this article and I'm thinking like, I don't know, to a regular person that might just be like, dang, you are one unlucky person. In spiritual lenses, you're saying, my G, you are covered by the blood. I don't know if you know Jesus, but you got a swarm of angels around you on the daily. Like, how haven't you died? And he's like, I don't know. So it's a matter of perspective. And it really comes down to, as believers, what is your perspective? He could have easily been like, enough is enough. I'm going to live my life in a little hut, in a cave where nothing can happen to me. But he kept living his life. Granted, he got the title of world's unluckiest man, but he lived a full life with stories and victories out of it. And the difference between a story and a testimony is that a story, there's no climactic point. A victory or testimony always has a victory. There's always going to be a victory in your testimony. And so if you're telling a bunch of stories, I could easily be like, oh, yeah, I got over the cold last week. You know, that's just a story. The victory is that I didn't stay sick. The victory is that it wasn't a pandemic flu that is killing people. The victory is that I was healed. And so it's a matter of where we give credit. You could easily throw your hands up and be like, enough is enough. But when we give glory to God and when we look at things through the perspective 
of spiritual lenses, something has to change. Your perspective is forced to change. And so obviously there's that story. And when I was thinking about who in the Bible could reflect something like this, where this poor man is probably like, okay, what else? We think about Job or I think about Job. So if you don't know the story of Job, I'm gonna zoom through this really quick and I'm gonna to try to make it as quick as possible. Basically, in short, Job was a wealthy guy. He's uh, one of God's favorites. Like, I'm just gonna be honest, favorite fair. And the dude was, he was one of God's favorites. Um, he had seven sons, three daughters. The dude was fertile. He had no problem having kids, okay? He said, we're gonna have kids. He had kids. Uh, 7,000 sheep. 3,000 camels, 500 oxen, 500 donkeys. He basically had a zeal. Like he wasn't struggling for money. He had everything anybody would ever want. And so one day his God is up in heaven. Some angels come up. Satan comes with the angels. And when Satan tells God, hey, I've just been roaming around the earth. I've been going back and forth. God said, but have you considered my servant Job? I just want to stop there really quick. Basically, God presented Job to Satan. It wasn't like, hey, stay away from my sons and daughters. He specifically chose Job because God in his infinite, he knew God knows everything. It's not like he was asking, it was a rhetorical question. He wasn't asking Satan for the response. He already knew he hadn't considered Job or he was going to consider Job. And so Satan says, Job, well, you know, if I come after him, he's not going to praise you. And God said, no, I know Job. I know my son. Try him. Satan comes down, messes with Job a little bit. And by messes with Job, I mean, Job is eating one day and a servant comes in and says like, hey, I just want to let you know your oxen and your donkeys uh, were just attacked. So they're gone. And before he could even finish his statement, another servant comes in and says, I also just want to let you know that another field, your sheep and your servants were also killed over there. And then before they could finish their sentence, another servant comes in and says, I also want to let you know that your camels just died and uh, more servants were burned there. And before he could finish his sentence, the last servant comes in and says, I also just want to let you know that your sons and daughters were all hanging out, having a good and a harsh wind blew from the desert and their house fell over and they're dead as well. And if you think about it, that's how quickly sometimes, at least for me, 2020 felt. It felt like if it wasn't one thing, it wasn't another, it was like another. And it's almost, if I would have permitted it, it would have still been that same mentality into this year where it feels like sometimes I feel like if it's not one thing before somebody else is texting me something heavy, my mom is coming in to tell me something heavy and my sister comes in here and then I look outside and there's like a blizzard going on outside and palm trees are falling over. And I'm like, God, when is enough enough? Like when, when does it stop? And Job's response to this was he ripped off his robe and he shaved his head and he bowed down to worship. His response in chaos was to worship. And he said, the Lord gave and the Lord takes away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Look, I'm gonna be honest, y'all. There have been plenty of times where chaos happens in my life and that is not my response. My response is like, you have forsaken me. Where are you? I can't believe you. You are one cruel God. You are just, why are you this way? And so he continued to praise God. And it wasn't until Job 2, in the, in the second book of Job, where Satan goes back up to heaven, he's talking to God. 
tells him, hey, I saw that he still worships, but I bet you that if I could touch his actual body, like if I could give him harm on himself, he then wouldn't worship you then for sure. So God said, okay, I'm going to remove my hand completely from my son because that's how much I trust him to still worship me because he knows I love him so much that I'm not going to let him die. I'm still, I'm still for him. So Satan comes back down, doesn't kill Job, but gives him sores all over his body. At this point, Job has no choice but to get a piece of clay and a pot that he breaks to scrape off his skin because it's so painful. And at this point, now he's lost everything. His wife comes up to him and is like, you're tripping, curse God and just die. And his response is, girl, you're foolish. Should you only accept good from God and not trouble? The thing about trouble is that we benefit from trouble because it refines us. It does something to our heart so that we can be aware, so we can be sensitive. So when we see other people going through things, even though it's difficult in the moment, something happens to you when you've been troubled before. Suddenly you're sensitive, suddenly you're aware. Suddenly you see someone crying and your response isn't, hey, stop crying. Suddenly, like, hey, I've been there. And let me tell you my testimony, not just my story, but let me tell you my testimony of God's goodness. And so if we're just gonna, we're just gonna zoom through all of Job right now. And basically all the way up until Job, maybe 42 or 43, after everything, after everything, at this point, some of Job's friends have come to sit with him. They sit with him for seven days. Also, those are the type of friends you need. Someone who's gonna sit with you and remind you about God's goodness and not gonna tell you, hey, God has cursed you. God is against you. That's a lie from the enemy. Job sat with three of his friends for seven days and they took off their robes with him and they sat there and they said, we're not gonna say anything with you. We're just gonna sit here in your pain and continue to pray around you so that we can hear what God has to say for you even when you don't hear God's voice even when you feel like you've been forsaken we're gonna sit around you and remind you of God's truth and God's promise over your life so it's not until Job about 42 that God restores the things that were taken from Job and he multiplies it and gives him better and sometimes as I'm wrapping this part up sometimes it can be very frustrating to go through the through the motions and we get really caught up on the when is enough enough God and God is saying I already trust you trust me enough to know that I've got you trust me enough to know that I go before you and I'm not going to let Satan fully have his hand on you I want to prove to the enemy that what was fashioned to kill you what was fashioned to bring you down is only going to give you more in the long run my promises are good I don't go back on my promises and I am a good God I I I, I don't come back void on the promises. You are my son and I'm going to keep you. And so I just want to be honest and say that I am such a deep feeler. And if it were would have been up to me, I would have stayed in my feelings all of last year. I would have stayed broken and completely defeated last year because it, I don't know what it was about last year, but it took everything out of me. What the enemy came to do to Job is what I feel like the enemy came to do to me last year. I felt so sad. I felt no hope. But the joy that's been restored this year, the things I prayed for and I continued to worship last year, even when I didn't want to worship, there has been, this is more joy than what I felt back in 2019. My perspective, the lenses I'm seeing life through now is 
amplified because I didn't have joy last year. And now that I've got it, it feels so much more just potent. It feels like it's something I've never experienced and I'm stepping in that in a completely different way. And I want to encourage you that you can have it and you can also be afraid and you can also be going through a season of like, you know what, I want to be there, but I don't know how to get there. It's going to take a day by day choice. Joy is a choice, but there are going to be times where you're going to be afraid to step into that. And that's okay. That doesn't make you less of a believer. That doesn't make you less of a child of God. It means you're human and you're processing. I'm sure we, there's a lot of parts in the book of Job that they skip out. They're not going to give the full on, you know, monologue that Job gave where like he was sad and scared. Like he goes through that. And so tonight I want to encourage you that if you've reached your enough is enough point, joy is available to you. Freedom is available to you. Remember the promises that God has made over your life and to remember that there are going to be times where you're still afraid and there are going to be times where it doesn't make sense to you. But I promise you the God that we serve has great things in store for you. I promise I am a living testimony. There is victory in my life and in my story to tell you guys that it doesn't last forever. Don't let a moment become a monument in your life. It doesn't have to last forever. God wants good things for you.